you need parts, O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. It's the Beckler and Shauna podcast. Your daily download of X929's X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna. Brought to you by Shane Holmes. Offering affordable customization on your new home. It's Tuesday, November 7th, 2023. I'm Beckler. I'm Shauna. This is the Beckler and Shauna Pisscast. I don't have much to say at the start here, Shauna. No housekeeping. Have you anything? No. 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 I don't think so, no. Other than a reminder that you can always get in touch with us, you can email xmornings at x929.ca. That goes to both of us and Sam and I think our boss as well. Yep. Or hit us up on social media if you have anything to share. We always love reading your messages. Totally. Uh, Today on the show, the end of this podcast, you're going to hear an interview with UFC economist Trevor Toome. You've probably heard this news that Alberta is considering pulling out of the Canada pension plan and what this would mean for the province and for the rest of the country. And it's all very complex when you start talking about numbers and stuff like that. Uh, Our friend Trevor Toome is the very best at simplifying all that. He's awesome. Yeah. He puts things into terms that I can understand, which is great because there's a lot of the stuff that... Yeah, it's tough to even sift through because you get such biased opinions on both sides. And you're like, what is actually happening here? So he's really great with that. And he's he does it in such an unpartisan way. Yes. Like, I've we've known Trevor for a few years now and had him on the show a bunch. And I follow him on social media. And he's always on, like, all these panel shows on CBC and stuff as, a, as an economics expert. And I don't know which way he leans politically. Nope. I still don't know. So Me neither. I like that. It's cool. Um, so you're going to hear that at the end, if that's uh, something that is of concern to you. Sean is going to quiz me on some Aussie slang. How you can make $40,000. This blew me away. Shauna made a mistake involving a psychic, and she's paying the price. And some excellent small town news after you're out of context clip. I've seen the toughest around. Oh, my God. The Beckler and Shauna Podcast. Got some great small town headlines for you. Uh, this one's a little bit different because... It's all about the same thing. Trooper is coming to Estevan. Estevan, Saskatchewan. Estevan, hey? Saskatchewan is seeing a Trooper show, and every headline is about Trooper. Anything <laughs> that has happened in the news for the past two weeks is all about this show. So this is a big deal there. This is huge. Are they aware that the current iteration of Trooper is almost like a Trooper cover band? They there don't are no care. original members left? I don't think they can. Beckler, this is the biggest thing <laughs> to happen to Estevan in maybe ever. Wow. So these are all real headlines? These are all real headlines, Let's yeah. Do it. Small Town News with Beckler and Shauna. Our top story this evening. Trooper is coming to town on November 9th. This is the biggest show Estevan has ever seen, and the city is beginning preparations. Head to the Leisure Center to buy drink tickets ahead of the Trooper concert this weekend. Is that real? Yes. They're encouraging they people are, to pre-buy their drink tickets? They're selling I've drink never tickets heard of that. from the Leisure Center ahead of the show. Holy crap. For an- the last two weeks, they are so excited. They're anticipating some drinking oh at that my, thing, hey? Aren't they ever? Terry, you know they're all lining up for sure. We are now just two days away from the two birds. <laughs> the Trooper concert with Northern Pikes. The city is contemplating declaring Trooper Day a public holiday in preparation. 
Derry says, quote, The Beckler and Shauna podcast. You know what I've noticed recently, Shauna? What? A serious decrease in the amount of what I would call leftover beer. Like if you have a party. Oh, yeah. So McKenna and I have always enjoyed throwing parties and having people over and stuff. And yep. I mean, normally you have a party and there's a bunch of beer left over the next oh, day, yes. right? Yep. Um, the last few times we've had parties, there's been basically nothing. Like we had like 50 people at our house on Halloween weekend and there were four beer left over the day after we cleaned up. That's insane. Isn't it? And this is this has happened the last few times we've had parties. Because I used to host a bunch of parties and I then would have to have parties to deal with all of the leftover booze yes. from the parties. Because I remember I was like, that. I am overflowing with all of the leftover. We need to have a party to get rid of this now. You had no room left in your fridge and I you'd have us over and be like, take whatever you want. I was like, don't bring booze because I have too much. Yeah. Th that seems to be done. Wow. And I mean, it's as long as everyone had fun, that's great. You don't yeah, throw totally. a party to have leftover beer, no, right? of course not. But it's just an odd trend that I've noticed. Yeah. If anything, you would think that as my friends and I, as we get older yeah. and hopefully more responsible, you would drink a bit less, right? Like mm. driving all your beer into you as fast as you can when you get to a party, that's like a young person's thing, right? Yes, yeah. But that's not the case. I, well, I There's mean... There's like nothing left over now. I mean, times are tough, okay? Things are expensive, so... That was one of my theories. Kind of makes sense, right? Are people budgeting better? Is it like, okay, I'm, it's, beer's expensive. I'm going to buy six beer and bring them and drink those. I'm not going to buy it 24 and leave Well, a I was bunch, about right? to say, yeah, it used to be like, get the cheapest two for, and then yeah. you just ditch the rest because you're like, whatever. Whereas, uh, like, now I enjoy craft beer, so I'll bring beer that some of them are like $5 a can. Yeah, it's like 20 bucks for a four-pack, so you're going right? to be pretty careful. Yeah. Yeah. With what you're leaving behind, mm -hmm. what you're purchasing. Totally. There's that. Yeah. I wonder, like, is our time so tough that people are, like, taking their beer with them when they leave? I think like, so. Actually, I need this. Yeah. <laughs> I need this for home. I bet. I actually so. did this to a friend's, like, at a friend's place the other, and I never, ever used to, like, take beer back. But it was one of these craft beer, and they made a point. They're like, they don't drink beer. So, like, this is just going to sit in my fridge. Then you're like, okay, I'll take so it. So I was like, I'll take it back. And yeah. I was very happy about that because I was like, yeah, that's an expensive fresh beer. I do a grocery bag full of the number of beer that I think I'm going to dr drink in the night. Me too. Right? Yep. Real but, ghetto. It's good. <laughs> yep. But, or maybe it's just a sign that everybody had a really good time. Yeah. And everybody drank all the beer that they brought. In, not intending to, so I, mean, I suppose so. I've also hosted too, parties where we've had to reorder more booze because yes, people did not bring it up for like oh, I've seen that too. Yep. Or you send a sober person on a run. Yeah. Or you yeah. you get it ordered to your place. It's like we're gonna need some more of this. Yeah. yeah but those days seem to be done. That's huh. the economy that we're. And I just saw there might be another beer tax applied right away oh, here. No. So there's gonna be. I mean, four beer left over after a 50-person party, that's going to be zero. That's going to be a big old goose egg. Oh, people are going to be stealing the beer. That's why there's none left. Somebody looked and was like, there's leftovers. I'm taking it. And Shauna podcast. So I did something stupid. I saw this ad for a psychic, Beckler, and I was like, because she said she would offer me a free reading. And I was like, maybe for show prep, I should do this just to see if we get anything out of this. So it was like this email, and I signed up for it. And now I'm getting this email, like nonstop emails from this lady who's apparently a psychic and she sees some things about me that uh, need urgent care, apparently. But she wrote me this when I first signed up, like it's this very personalized looking email talking about, you know, my birthday near. And so she obviously is actually writing this and it's not Ooh. some like mass Ooh. email sent out. And then you feel a responsibility to acknowledge it, right? 
yeah, I haven't yet, yeah. but I do feel a little responsible too. <laughs> and so she sent me this one that says, you know, every so often someone comes along that I feel particularly connected to and you are one. So I actually dropped everything I was doing to focus in on your reading here. And so she What's was this like, based off of? I focused on the Astro Star uh, horoscope things. Yeah. I don't know something. Astro psychology. The, the connection she feels to you, though. The connection of the stars with me and the oh, gods. Okay. And the, yeah. Uh, yeah. So then she sent me one today, actually, that says, I've made mm -hmm. contact with Sittal, your spiritual and divine protector. And he's shown me how much potential you have that you need to get at. But she was saying, like, I desperately need to speak with her because there's some th urgent matters. So Who's this Sittal dude? I don't know. How do you spell it? S-I-T-A-E-L? Sitael? Sitael. Sitali? Sitael. Sitali, but Sitali? Yeah, but it's E-L. I don't know. You've never met this fella, I don't. Hey? I don't know who that is. Um, but then she, like, had, there's these tarot cards. There's an octopus on one, so... I don't know. I'm trustworthy, apparently, and people seek my advice often, she's telling me. I don't know what to do here. I've I've Sounds gone legit. down the rabbit hole, and I can't get out. I'm constantly getting spiritualized emails from this woman now, and it was a bad idea. Sometimes I just, for show prep, I went too far. You did okay? it for the bit. I did, and I regret it and instantly. it backfired on you. So I, was, I think it all sounds very legit. She's myself, after me. So. Yeah. Wow. I have a, a dazzling ability to self-reflect, though, she's saying, so... There I wonder go. what the the pressing matter is that she has, the, the urgent... Well, this is the scary part, is she keeps telling me about this, and I'm like, maybe I should reach out to her to find out, you know? Some blemishes in your aura, perhaps? Yeah, right? I don't know. I think you Terrifying. should fake your own death myself. Okay. <laughs> Do you want me to write her an email back? I'm sorry. She died. I am her estate. <laughs> I have taken over her email and death. As, as you will... She is no... As you should probably As you will already know, know Shauna died. has died. So. That urgent matter, she probably <laughs> should have come to ask him. The Beckler and Shauna Podcast. I know you don't like the 80s rock sound, Shauna. We've talked before about this. Not overly, no. We gave you an auditory test, mm -hmm. played a bunch of different 80s music for you, and you yeah. weren't crazy about most of it. There's a lot of real bad 80s music, okay? <laughs> there is some stuff that's not, but there's a lot of really bad stuff. And your boyfriend, Cliff, just loves, loves the 80s, 80s, right? So you're yeah. kind of in a tough spot there. Yep. How do you feel about Van Halen? Okay, so Van Halen I like more than a lot of the 80s. Okay. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. How come? Why do you think that is? They just don't have it. There's just a certain sound with some of like the platinum blondes and stuff of the world that <laughs> Van Halen luckily is not towing that line. You know what I mean? So a friend of mine bought me uh, Van Halen's debut album on vinyl. Oh, that's cool. So we've been spinning it at the house, having lots of fun with it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just have to get that Terry out of you, you know, yeah, right? Do. And Van yeah. Halen's some serious Terry music. It is, yeah. We were driving this past weekend and uh, with the boys, and I I put on Jump by Van Halen. <laughs> Love that song. Yep. Um, and Brigham, my youngest Brigham, he's like, I don't like Van Halen. I said, really? He's like, I don't like this song. It sounds like something, it sounds like something Kids Bop would do. I was like, Kids Bop, hey? That's really I funny. thought about it and I was like, yeah, I can kind of hear it. Yep. I could hear how Jump would be kind of Kids Boppy. It is. Of all the Van Halen, it's got that. It's, yeah. Brigham doesn't like Kids Bop. Oh, that's so, so funny. That's so why I looked and yeah, Kids Bop did do a cover oh of Jump God. by Van Halen. Good quality here, hey? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. That's their David Lee Roth right Holy. there. <laughs> I want to hear him again. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's 
Yeah. Discount yeah. David. There's Diamond David oh, Lee Roth. Oh, boy. And then Discount David Is, Lee Roth. That's, and that's him. the one we got oh, there. Oh, yeah. With Kids Boss. Beckler and Shauna podcast. This is a crazy story, Beckler. Uh, a friend of mine broke his wrist at work a few months ago. And I have to be honest with you, I didn't quite realize what that means exactly when you actually do injure yourself at work. Like, I've never talked to anybody about workplace injuries, but I guess they did this assessment on him after his injury. And it was a pretty serious wrist injury, to be fair, that needed some pretty intense surgery. But after they assessed him, they deemed him to be 6% disabled due to this injury. Permanently or just... Permanently, they say, okay. because of this injury, and now for work or whatever, they I don't know how they break that down, but they said 6% disabled due to this workplace injury. So his work had to write him a check for $40,000. $40,000? $40,000. For a broken wrist? Yes. And don't get me wrong, if you get injured at work and it means you can't work or whatever, of course you should absolutely be compensated, and I thought, 100%, but like he can still fully do his job. He's back working, and he broke his wrist. But he's $40,000 richer? He got a $40,000 check. Holy crap. I was like, I don't know if you should tell people this, Shauna. Money's tight right now. A lot of people right. might be thinking what the value of a wrist is. Okay, no. $40,000? I mean, he has a physical job-ish, and he needs his wrist for it. So don't, no, no, everybody out there, don't go thinking you can just break your wrist and get that. That's not how this works. But yes, for him, that's what it gave him. I couldn't believe it. He was just like, yeah, I bought a house. I'm like, yeah, I would too. You just got a check for forty grand. That's nuts. But that I just, is insane. I'd never realized that that's how that whole process goes, right? When you do get injured at work and they have to, I guess, yeah, do the percentage of how much it has affected you. And then they give you this check. But I guess a broken wrist of his severity was worth $40,000. Holy crap. Yeah. So he's got a house now. So what's it worth awesome. if you get like really disabled at work? I don't know. I've never known anybody who's had a very serious workplace injury, Me so neither. thankfully. And that's why, yeah, thankfully as well. And it's a whole different world. And that's why when I heard this, I just, I was completely floored. I had no idea. That's how that worked. Uh, good on his company as well, because I guess they got him that check within like a month of this whole, I guess you have to, there's probably some legally binding timelines for this type of mm -hmm. thing as well. But uh, yeah, they just gave him the check. And we're like, yeah, here you go. That's crazy. That's probably the difference between him buying a house and not buying a house, right? Yeah. And he doesn't make a ton. Like, that's probably comparable to what he makes in a year. So, so I'm saying, like, if you offered people the option, it's like, okay, you're going to break your wrist. It's going to suck. You're going to have oh, to have God. surgery, but you'll get a house out of it. Okay. We can't look at it this way. <laughs> that's how tight money Don't is right now for people, right? take advantage of this. I know. Oh. Holy crap. I, for him, he. I had no idea. Yeah. It was an honest thing. He did not. I intentionally break his own wrist, but I thought maybe they would cover, you know, the work that he missed. Yep. And then maybe, I don't know, a little bit of damages after the fact for the suffering. Yeah. But does it matter? Like, did they rule? Was it like negligence on his part? Like, was it his mistake at work, or was it like unsafe working conditions? Does that make a difference? I think that probably does, and I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, I'm, it was probably yeah, some sort of unsafe thing at work. You'd assume, right? To have to if pay they had that to pay out that much. Mm -hmm. But I don't actually know. I should ask him a little further. But yeah, I couldn't believe it. I was very excited for him. Don't get me wrong. I was just floored. He's probably pretty cranked too, isn't He's he? He's cranked. He's got a new house. <laughs> the Beckler and Shauna Podcast. I wanted to give you guys some context on WCB injuries. because Please I do. Work. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so WCB, when you get injured at work, they determine if it's um, an acceptable claim. Like if there was a hazard present or whatever the conditions were of your injury so once you're injured and you're being treated if you're not going to fully recover they um 
basically you have a permanent clinical impairment, they call it. So they judge, they send you for these assessments and they determine your, um, how much permanently you're not going to be able to go back to your pre-accident duties right. or your pre-accident level of functioning. Yeah. So they determined he's lost 6% of functioning in his wrists and then they paid him out this amount and usually it's some kind of percentage of your pre-disability earnings or what they assume you may lose earnings going forward because of this clinical impairment. Wow. Man, that seems like it would be such a complex formula. Yeah. With lots yes. of lots of hurt feelings on both sides. Yep. Like it is, yes. Well, yeah. So and if it works anything like assessments and yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say if it works anything like insurance, they'd try and, you know, not pay you out as little as possible. Yeah. So most most people do not get payouts like that. They it, will pay you for lost time if you miss time for work due to the injury, but once you're deemed recovered, then your claim is inactive and until you have medical issues again in the future, your claim would be reopened. But a lot of people don't have a permanent clinical impairment from the injury, so Right. Now yeah. for the employer, does that do they pay that out of pocket or do they have insurance for that sort of thing? I don't know. Well, WCB has like a fund that they pay this stuff out of. So like the employers fund the WCB basically. Every employer has a WCB premium that they pay. You have a rating of how your um, your claim rate and stuff is. So yeah. basically all the businesses in Alberta pay into WCB and then they pay out employees from this money they collect from all the businesses and in Alberta. He, he works at a ski hill, so they would have a pretty high contribution to workplace injuries, I'm, I'm thinking. Yes, but. depending Yes, depending on your rate of injury and how many claims you have in a year, then you have a rating within your industry and all this stuff. So, so based on that amount that he got paid out, do you suspect that there would have been a hazard present? Well, yeah, because his claim is accepted in the first place, they would have deemed that his injury was um, caused by the function of his work. So Okay. So not yeah. just him being reckless. Whatever he then. was doing at the time, yeah. Whatever he was doing at the time, he was injured. They deemed was it was due to him being at work and whatever he was doing, he was injured. But okay. it's the payout thing is all the if he has a permanent impairment, basically they deemed and they would say that depending on the person, they might pay up to you pay you a certain amount. Like if you're never able to go back to your full hours or something, they would pay you for the rest of those hours until you're like 65. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Holy crap! Yeah. That's yeah, yep. I, that's. Thank you for this, because that I was I'm, when we saw you phoning. I was like, I hope you know, because I just yeah, yes. I've never explored this. In radio, we don't deal with a whole lot of injury at work. Yes. I don't know, like. Yeah. I got some one time when I was a carpenter. I got some drywall dust in my eye and had to go to the doctor, and they're like, "Is this a, a WCB claim?" Yeah. And I was like, "No, this isn't." But. Well, every time we have to submit it for work, it's like, "Is this a workplace injury?" And I laugh every time. Yep. Like, no, no, <laughs> no, I don't like hitting a button. Is... Vocal strain. Hey, maybe yeah. yeah. Automatic. Carpal yep. tunnel. Doctors. On the button I pressed for my mic, you yep. never know, you know? Yeah. Yep. Doctors automatically, if they hear workplace injury, they automatically submit reporting to WCB, and then they determine if it's an acceptable claim or not. Okay. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah. What's your name? Heather. Heather. Well, Thank Heather, you we appreciate this, Heather. your knowledge on this. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. We got a few other messages from people who have gone through the WCB claim process. Um, friend of the show, Sarah, said she crushed two discs in her back and got $100,000. But not all in one check. They're paying it out $170 per month. Which so, is insane. Like, that's hardly... That's not enough. Yeah, that's going to take, like, what, 50 years to pay that back? Crazy. Like, you, I, I said, you know, did you try and up 
can you try and up the payments? And she said she's trying, but... She said they just recently adjusted for inflation. So instead of $170, she gets $171 per oh, month. Oh, perfect. Good. Yeah, no. I mean, 170 bucks isn't going to make a huge difference with the cost of everything, whereas, like, dropping $100,000 on someone all at once would. No. no. So no. it sounds... Um, sort of unique that your friend got 40 grand all at once yeah yeah i wonder why i'm gonna have to like poke him more and be like how did that happen or yeah. why and you said he's still working too he's still working wow that's i mean that's awesome of his company for sure i guess yeah I like that i don't know you don't want to get hurt at work though you don't it's no just, i mean a lot of people don't even want to be at work no and then to have an injury that causes you hardship maybe wrecks what you want to do in your in your free time be terrible. That would be awful. Terrible. Yeah. Uh, well, if you do get a big payout like that, and you're looking to build a house, mm-hmm. Shane Homes has some lovely options. They sure do. Uh, they offer affordable customization, so you can make your home completely yours. Yes. Even down to like, you know, I was thinking, um, at our house, I, I, I was trying to like winterize the place a little because yep. it's just such a mess with kids and their wet boots and their all their winter gear and stuff, and they come in and they throw it everywhere. So trying to like arrange a little bit of a boot room at the back door. So I put like mats down over the whole landing where they come in. Yep. So the floors stay dry. But I was like to have like a an actual boot room when you have kids would just be awesome. A friend what of mine you? actually built their own boot room in their place, and it's so awesome. Yeah. They've made it more like a ski hill boot room too. So Perfect. they have like boot heaters and all kinds of cubbies for your stuff. It's pretty cool. Places to hang all their gear. And yeah. 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 Sh- Shane Holmes could do that for you, I'm sure. They totally I'm can. sure. Check them out at ShaneHolmes.com. Shane Holmes. The better way to build. The better way to build. The Beckler and Shauna podcast. So the TV version of the radio epidemic is definitely the freaking daylight savings discussion. Oh, no. Holy no. hell. Has it been we? on all the TV shows? Oh, <laughs> Every year, we need to stop for the love of God. It's always, ooh, daylight savings. Some people feel we shouldn't have it. How do you feel about daylight savings? Every single year. The radio epidemic is what we refer to as like really low effort questions. It's low hanging fruit. And then like low effort answers. Uh Uh-huh. so yeah. that their version of that is daylight saving time, hey? Yep. And there's some with the radio epidemic that just every single year the same old question gets asked to and you're like, okay, we've done this every year. <laughs> we need to stop. TV, it's got to stop with the daylight savings. Well, we've got to stop with this discussion. We had a referendum we on did. it. We did. And I was, I was uh, in, on the losing side of that referendum, yeah. but I have accepted that mm-hmm. I lost. That so should have been the end of it. Like we end. had the referendum we decided to keep it, and then every year again, oh, do you think we should have daylight savings? Do you want look at these <laughs> Look at these productivity reports. Look at the harm. This is that like TV radio voice. <laughs> Brutal. Oh, my. Brutal. Deary me. It did get me thinking, though. I was like, lots of industries do have their own kind of version of the radio epidemic. It's kind of like the lazy man's way. And I was like, I wonder, like like carpentry, for example, would, would there be kind of a lazy, if you saw somebody's carpentry work, is there a, a thing that you'd be like, that's kind of lazy? Uh, I, just, I don't I was, know if I'd know enough about it to be able to fair. pick that out. No, no. I just was like, but, clearly this does extend beyond to at least TV and daylight savings is it. Yeah. Can we just put radio silence on this? You know what, though? I think had, had that referendum passed mm. and we scrapped daylight saving time, yep. I think... We'd still be having the discussion about bringing it back. 
We would. I think we're doomed either way. Yes. It's like the fluoride in the water, oh. you know, like it comes and goes and we have the same thing. <laughs> Referendum's coming. Should we have the fluoride in the water? Oh, oh. Just, <laughs> what but, <are> you think? <laughs> but every year, here we go again. The Beckler and Shauna podcast. Ski season officially kicked off this weekend. So mm-hmm. I was out skiing and uh, I encountered so many Aussies, Beckler. The Aussies are back. They're eh? back. Yeah, we talked about during COVID where the Aussies were not here. And it was very bizarre because when you could ski, there was nobody with the Australian accent. And it just didn't feel right. You know, you go to a ski resort and you're like, where are all the Aussies? Like, honestly. I wonder if that's jarring for people who travel to, like, Banff from other parts of the world. I don't know. Like, you come to Canada, you come to Banff, and you hear Australian accents everywhere. I know. I, I know there's a lot of Aussies in, in the States as well at different resorts and stuff. But yeah, I don't in Europe, maybe you're, you'd be like, why do they wait a second? That doesn't make sense. But I was thinking you lived in Australia for a little bit, right? Briefly. Yeah. Uh, maybe we could do a little quiz of some Aussie slang because you're bound to hear this as the season kicks off. And anytime you head to the mountains, maybe this will help you because they do have some slang that's quite unique. And maybe you'll listen and be like, I don't understand what that means. I'll try my best. Where did you get this list? Uh, There's varying different places. So a few different websites and stuff. And it was the most common. You'll get some of them for sure. Maybe not all. What's the bottle O? Liquor store. Yep. What does knackered mean? Tired. Bicky. That one I don't know. Biscuit. Okay. They just like to put the Y's on everything, as we know. A Dury. Don't know that. Shigret. That's a cigarette. Oh. It's an old school. That one's an older one, Yeah, I've never heard that one before. Uh, The Esky. Uh, that's a cooler? Yes, because of the brand name, right? Yeah. That's okay. Uh, a flanny? Flannel? Yeah. A dunny? Don't know that one. Toilet. Budgie smugglers. We use this one here as well. It's a tight pair of swim trunks, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. What does hard yakka mean? <laughs> I haven't heard that one. Hard work. Okay. <laughs> so that's one. I had some friends I traveled with who were Aussie, and they used some of these too. So what about a bogan? Uh, it's like a redneck. Yep. Yep. But- Rack off. Don't know that Similar one. Similar to piss off, just another way of saying it. Rack <laughs> off. Uh, a tosser or tossa. a tossa. It's like a, like a loser, right? Yeah. Like an yeah. uncool person. Peckerhead, essentially. Yeah. Tosser's such a, a funny that one. A tosser. One of my favorites. Yeah. What time of day is Sparrow's fart? Haven't heard that one. It's the morning. Okay. You can kind of put two in a good yeah. for that and a piss up. Party? There you go. So that's just some quick Aussie slang for everybody. So if you put it all together, there's a tossa with a durry and a cardi and a flanny and a piss up. Now you're ready for ski season. <laughs> the Beckler and Shauna podcast. I have a super quick thing you can't look cool doing. Okay. To add to this ever-growing list that we're building. There's a lot of things you can't look cool doing, we started to realize. If you're trying to go through life looking cool, nope. you can't do any of the things on this list. Uh, we were grocery shopping, me and my two kids on the weekend, and uh, Brigham was helping carrying some stuff. My youngest, Brigham, he's six, and he had a big jug of orange juice. And I said, do not drop that, Brigham, because dropping something at the grocery store and making a big mess mm. is super uncool. Very much so. Isn't it? Yeah. Because then you got to go find someone. You got to be like, hey, uh, yep. I did this. And then you get to hear, I clean d- up on aisle two. Like, oh, I'm that's the- about me. Yeah. And like, you kind of feel like you should hang around and like. I'm the tosser that did that. <laughs> yeah. I'm the tosser. <laughs> Uh, some tosser dropped some spaghetti sauce. I am that tosser. Four. I am the tosser who did this. Yes, can't look cool. I no. feel like I need to stand there and Shame. like take my penance. You know, yep. like this. Was shame. Me. And then the poor guy who's got to clean it up. Like, do you want help or? Because I did this. They should but, have a shame bell at the grocery yeah. store for when you do that for sure. And you should have to stand there. Yep. I think you yep. should have to stand there until the mess is clean. Shame. Your shopping's on hold. Shame. <laughs>
incredibly uncool. Toss of shame. <laughs> the Beckler and Shauna podcast. We're chatting with Trevor Toom, economics professor at the University of Calgary, friend of the show. Um, we were hoping to get your take on Alberta's proposal to withdraw from the Canada Pension Plan, Trevor, and what, I guess, for the very basics, what this means. Yeah, great question. I mean, this is this is an old idea, actually. It's been around in Alberta for decades. You can see people talking about it, you know, as far back as the 1960s. And it, and it really revived, I think, most recently, you know, in around 2015, 2016, Alberta had a tough time there, and tensions with Ottawa kind of grew. And some have seen this policy as a way to put pressure on Ottawa, if you will, because it's one of the few areas where if Alberta wanted to, it, it, it could withdraw from the Canada Pension Plan unilaterally. So that makes it pretty different than the equalization conversation that we had two years ago, where there really wasn't much Alberta could do on its own. Because there's, there's a mechanism within the legislation of the Canada Pension Plan for a province to withdraw, Correct. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and originally, this was just an area for provinces. The federal government had no role whatsoever. Uh, it kind of moved into that space in the 50s and 60s, but with the permission of provinces. And they never gave up their underlying power in this space. So w- would this actually stand to benefit Albertans then? I mean, that's the big question, right? <laughs> That is a big question. I think a lot depends on things we just don't know right now. The most important variable here that determines what an Alberta pension plan would look like is how much money Alberta would get from the Canada pension plan when it leaves. If it leaves uh, with a lot, then the Alberta plan is endowed with a great deal, and then the benefits can be fairly large. But if it leads to something... Uh, a little less, and the benefits are less too. And that's really where the debate is right now. The government is putting out a fairly optimistic picture of what an Alberta pension plan would look like. Big drops in contribution rates. So workers would save money, employers would save money, uh, and really neglecting a lot of the costs. But there would be some cost to consider as well. Like Alberta is a young province now, so managing and sustaining a pension plan you know, it's easier than the rest of Canada, but are we guaranteed to be a young province in 2080 or 2090? Uh, and it's these very long run futures that we do need to keep in mind. So yeah, a little bit of benefit, I think, just because we are young, uh, but also some real risks. And that's a really tough trade-off here uh, that Albertans should consider. This report recently came out that I believe was commissioned by the Jason Kenney government and showed that if Alberta withdrew, we would be entitled to more than half of the current value of the CPP. Do you believe that number is accurate, Trevor? I I do not. I, I think that the legislation that determines how much Alberta would get is unfortunately pretty vague. It could be read in lots of different ways. And LifeWorks, uh, or like they're an HR firm that the government of Alberta hired, they took a very optimistic interpretation. I think an unreasonable one, uh, but you know, that's what you get with the vague language. Different people can look at it and reach different conclusions. So when I look at it and, and try to apply my best reading of the legislation, along with the best available data, I get something more along the lines of 20 to 25% rather than the over half. That, that life work suggests. And that, that's a $200 billion difference here. So that kind of strange, ambiguous, imprecise wording in the act 
is from the 1960s and we're kind of stuck with it today and that's really unfortunate because we don't like now know what an Alberta pension plan would really look like. So so why is the UCP pushing this so hard right now? Well, I, I think a couple of reasons. You do see them having fights with Ottawa around things like electricity uh, policy around energy and environmental policy or environmental assessments, you know, that big Supreme Court case we had a couple of weeks ago. And, and some, I think, view the Alberta pension plan issue as just a way to put pressure on Ottawa. Yeah, I don't know how effective that is, but I think that's some of the, the thinking here. But then there are others that genuinely think Alberta could and should withdraw from the Canada Pension Plan because it, it would provide for lower contribution rates in the province because we're young. So I think it's a mixture of some thinking of it as kind of a strategy, a game with Ottawa and others who actually do think it's a good idea. You've written at length about transfer payments in Canada and equalization. I think you even teach a course mm-hmm. on this at U of C. I do. I do. Um, do you see parallels between those programs and, and this proposal to pull out a CPP and how Albertans and Canadians feel about the two things? Yeah. I mean, this broader sense of unfairness in the Federation, if you will. So the fair deal panel we had a couple of years ago, a lot of that is tied to financial flows that do tend to be a net outflow from Alberta. And and we do see that in in lots of areas. There's a lot of uh, high income people and profitable corporations that locate here in Alberta. So corporate taxes, personal income taxes are higher than elsewhere, but just because we make more money. Uh, The Canada Pension Plan, you kind of see this as well. So the government points to a $60 billion over contribution to the CPP from Albertans relative to what we receive in, in benefits. But this is really due to us being young. You know, young people pay in and don't receive anything until we retire. So, like, I have a, a, a 100% imbalance with the Canada Pension Plan. I haven't seen a dime. Mm-hmm. Uh, but over the course of one's lifetime, you know, you'll get benefits later. And I think a lot of the imbalance that we're seeing between Alberta and the rest of the country is because we're younger. We just have more people paying in, but they will get benefits when they retire. So the rest of the country, if we were to do this, would suffer? Well, that depends. Uh, We would exit and we would take some of the assets, but we would also take some of the liabilities. So the net effect on the rest of the country depends on how much uh, of the CPP assets that we take. You know, if we leave with over 50%, which I don't think is reasonable, not going to happen, uh, that would be a problem for the rest of the country. They'd probably have to increase their contribution rates by about 1%, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's coming off of 9.9, so it puts the rest of the country along where Quebec is. Right. But if we live, leave with 20%, then contribution rates, don't necessarily need to increase elsewhere. So a lot depends on how Alberta leads, what that actually looked like. And and we just don't know all, all the details at the moment. You said a moment ago that the legislation is quite vague and yeah. the number they came up with is based on this one firm's interpretation of it. Whose yeah. interpretation of it would ultimately <laughs> win the day? Well, that, that that's a good question. So the, the, the federal government did 
on Friday. So it met with the finance ministers uh, to talk about this, and they committed to get the chief actuary of Canada, like a nonpartisan, technical, um, I think very trustworthy agency, asked them to look at this and evaluate what a reasonable asset split would be and, and what it would look like for Alberta to leave. So we'll probably see a report from them uh, hopefully sooner than later, but sometime in the next year. And, and that'll probably be very influential. At the end of the day, though, it would be the Minister of Finance federally who would interpret it, uh, but then Alberta could challenge it, and we might wind up in the Supreme Court who would ultimately need to decide what the words in the Act mean. You mentioned the liabilities earlier. So if we were to leave, mm-hmm. there'd be some liabilities. So what are the risks and liabilities of us leaving oh. them? Well, anyone who's worked in Alberta since the 1960s would have some of their retirement benefits uh, covered by the Alberta Pension Plan. So we'd be taking on that liability, like any benefits of anyone who's worked in Alberta, however long that may have been. So potentially quite a few, uh, quite a few people. Sorting through that seems like it would be a tall order. Yeah. Yeah, and this is where the chief actuary comes in because the data that exists publicly, the data that I work with, the data that LifeWorks works with, it's fine, but it really doesn't have a lot of the detail that we need. So uh, that's super confidential, as you can imagine. Everyone's, Everyone's CPP contributions tracked through time since the 1960s. So very few people can access that, and the chief actuary is one of them. It's, it seems like it would be such a big risk. Like, there's so many unknowns and so many risks. Like, are are Albertans seriously interested in this from what you, like? Well, the polls are pretty interesting here. It, it is hugely opposed by older individuals. So Abacus, a couple of weeks ago, had a, a poll. Those over the age of 60, only about 17%, if I'm remembering correctly, support the idea. And then 64% Oppose, But young people, interestingly, under 35, it's kind of 50-50. There's a lot of don't knows in there, so I think it's more like 25-25 support versus oppose. And I think some of that is is, uh, young people may not have confidence that the CPP will be there for them when they retire. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a lot of that's from the, the U.S. having really big problems in their social security system that Canada just doesn't have. So I think younger people should have confidence that the CPP will be there. And an Alberta pension plan would be set up structurally in a way that's pretty similar to the CPP. So I think we should think about the risks here. It's an irreversible decision. Once you leave, you can't go back. Uh, So it's a big gamble. And we need this pension plan in Alberta to be there for when, you know, 18 year olds today, they're going to, retire in 2080 or or later. And many of them will live into the 22nd century. This is a very long-term decision. So risks are important to keep in mind. And it's funny because when you first said, you know, this is a thing that we need to consider for 2080 or 2090 at the time, I'm like, oh, that's so far away. Like, let's talk about now. And you're like, no, that's actually when we will need our pensions. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that is Um, concerning. Trevor, before we let you go, is there anything else that you think people, you wish people would know about this proposal? Well, I, I think a lot will hinge on what this engagement panel comes out with next year. So Jim Denning, former finance minister, uh, someone I have a great deal of respect for, is going to be writing a report on what he's heard uh, from Albertans around this idea. And he may very well put it to bed 
uh, in the spring of next year. So if the polls don't move, I think we won't go to a referendum. But if we do, then buckle up. We'll have a couple more years of this conversation. Trevor Toome is an economist at the University of Calgary. Nobody does a better job of putting these complex issues into terms that everyone can understand. Thank you very much for your time, Trevor. Thanks, Trevor. You bet. Thank you. Take care. You've been listening to the Beckler and Shauna podcast. Brought to you by Shane Holmes. Offering affordable customization on your new home. You want more? Then tune in to X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna live on Calgary's Alternative. X92.9. Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. Mountain Time at X92.9.ca. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and have Beckler and Shauna downloaded daily to whatever device you use. Later. X After Hours, a weekly podcast that brings X Afternoons with Mariah and Ty to another level of awesome and allows you to listen on your own terms. Go behind the curtain and hear the stuff you won't hear on the radio. Like, fuck, they're gonna say fuck. Find X After Hours wherever you get your podcasts or on the X app.